Hey there, Frontlines listeners. This is Mike letting you know about this week's sponsor, Audible.com. Head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to download your free audiobook. Choose from over 60,000 titles, including a wide array of Star Wars and Clone Wars audiobooks. So head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to start your free trial today. A long time ago, galaxy far, far away, the clone armies of the Republic were spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the 38th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Voyage of Temptation. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me is my co-host, as always, uh, Matt Crinky. Say hi. Hey, what's going on, Clone Wars fans? We're back and better than ever, faster, more intense, as we always say. Is that true? Are we going to be faster, more intense this time? I think so. Yeah. Like you said, you, you got your chips going. Yeah, I got some uh, chips. If you guys hear some... Cr- I've had a Red Bull. Yeah, I'm just going to... There, now it's on the recording. It's nice and loud. <laughs> so if I start eating chips, you guys know what I'm doing, you know? Which is, like, yes. rule number one about recording is that you're not supposed to have food. But uh, well, I'm going to eat a chip right now. Background noises. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now everybody's starving right now. Mm. Salt and vinegar. <laughs> And if oh, you're going to eat chips while you're... Oh, eating, my gosh. Salt and vinegar are the worst because they make your mouth all gummy and gooey and stuff. Yeah. But whatever. And they, like, they raise my body temperature like five degrees when I eat those, too. I don't know if you notice that. <laughs> Woo, they make me high. <laughs> I never... No, I don't get that. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack when I eat those. <laughs> um, so here we are, man. We're going we're gonna to jump right into some news. Uh, and the first news item is um, there's a trailer out. For a uh, looks like a documentary. I'm gonna stop called... you. Are you sure that's the first news item? Oh snap! No, we're gonna. <laughs> we got that's right. You want to change it up? That's okay. It's this is a that's right. That's right. We got contest stuff. Go ahead with the contest. Stuff. Okay. Let's do that. So we do have a contest winner finally for our February for our January contest, uh, and that winner is Kyle Danielson. So, Kyle, uh, email me or Matt. Well, actually, email me because I'm the one mailing it out. So, email me with, uh, with your address, and I will get your uh, Indiana Jones little tiny figures off to you. I have not posted pictures on, on the forums or on the site or anything because I just can't be bothered. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> um, so, those, are, those will be on their way. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if you get me an email soon, and then I actually get off my butt and do what I'm supposed to. Oh, I feel so bad. Uh, Bo, it took him forever to get his iPhone case because it took me forever to mail it. But, I'll get. I'll keep on you. But it showed. Like the the great thing is that I'm sending. I sent it all the way to Australia, and it showed up in like, like a week, which was yeah, awesome. it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was really fast. Um, not like my uh, my Geek Out Loud hoodie and T-shirt, which are taking forever to get here. Steve had issues with printing. <laughs> so anybody out oh, okay. there who, who also got themselves a Geek Out Loud shirt, there were issues with the printing of the shirts. So uh, that's why it's taking so long for me to get those out. Uh, 
uh, if you haven't listened to the latest Geek Out Loud or talk to Steve in person. Well, not in person, but in internet person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I have. Um, yeah. But yeah, there we go. Contest winner. So look, our contests oh. do work. It's only where this is. Is this technically the first episode of February? No, last episode was the first episode of February. It's the first, yeah, so we were still getting things worked out. Yeah, but, uh, but that's yeah. okay. Small hiccup. This month, we'll be on time. We will have, yes. well, we've got it all set up. It's all figured out. Um, yeah. I've even had a couple of emails come in with an actual address on them, which I am very happy with. But, nice. Uh, yeah, so that that's, that's the contest. Don't forget to send in your emails and everything. Uh, put in your address, and you will be entered for February's. And uh, and I don't have a prize for February yet. Do you have a prize? Um, I might. Um, I'll probably get get with you later this week, and right. uh, I'll pick, pick something out. All right. Yeah. You, you, uh, well, you were saying before that you wanted to give away a free pair of Adidas shoes, wasn't it? Weren't you? Hundred and thirty bucks <laughs> yeah. a piece. That was for me, though. Don't mind, right? <laughs> that was for me. Oh, that yeah. was for you. Yeah, I was looking for that for myself. Sorry, sorry there, listeners. You're not going to get these shoes. Uh, I'm actually going to insert that into the news. I got my shoes, which I don't. I don't know how much people are that interested in what. You know, it's not general Star Wars news. This is very specific to myself. But I picked up my Skywalkers. They fit a little big. Uh, I got ten and a halfs, and I usually wear an eleven. But the the ten and a halfs are even a little bit roomy. So. Hmm. Word to okay. the wise to anybody who's ordering them online. The uh, the Skywalkers specifically. I didn't try on any of the other ones, but the Skywalkers specifically. If you're used to buying an Adidas shoe, uh, they fit a little bit big for an Adidas sneaker. So okay, keep good that tip. in mind. They're about a half a size. Uh, they're about three quarters of a size bigger than you would expect from my experience. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I got mine. They're hanging on the wall. They come in like a like a blister, like a like a card back blister. Um, they aren't. It's not glued though, so you can slide out the card back and pull the shoes out, and then put the card back back in. And so like you use it as your shoe box. But I have mine hanging on the wall, like an action figure. For those nice. collectors, I have not worn yeah. them out yet because it's been kind of crummy. Well, actually, it was nice the other day, but I didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, but most of the time in Vancouver here, it's rainy. So if there's any chance, if there's a chance of like getting splashed by a puddle, I am not wearing these things. Heck no, no. Um, yeah. I expect them to last me a very long time. But they're very cool shoes. They're even more detailed than any of the pictures. Like when you get them, you'll see stuff that you didn't see in the pictures. Uh, the epaulets, it's epaulets, right? On the on the shoelaces, is that what they're called? Or eyelets? I can't. Probably eyelets. I can't eyelets. Yeah. Remember, maybe it's eyelets. Um, yeah. the little plastic part on the end of the shoelace, which has a name, I, Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. They, no, I'm not sure. Yeah. They, they have the star Wars logo on them. the old oh. school, 1977 one, not like the classic one that we're used to, but the one oh. that's more, it's more like, uh, like it's more like perspective. Like it's sort of squeezed at the top, sort of like it's going away from you like this like the scroll if you know yeah. if you remember what i'm talking about uh it's it's kind of like what our new fan uh, front lines uh okay logo looks like um yeah. almost called it by a different podcast i almost said oh. Vancouver, which is my friend johnny's podcast uh, easy 
Which, by the way, by the time that this goes up, the over on FanCoreDaily.com, I will have uh, first a, a an article, like I'm doing a bit of an editorial on uh, on Star Wars and the current state of, of continuity and that sort of thing for people who aren't Star Wars fans. Um, but if you guys want to get over there and read that, that should be up in the next week or so. And I'm also doing a review of the latest uh, Star Wars Adventures comic uh, over on fancoredaily.com. So that's just a small plug from my friend Johnny and his... Small plug, there you go. And, uh, I hope he's plugging us on our in his show. I don't know if he is, but I go on his. <laughs> I've been on his podcast a couple of times, and uh, and whenever I'm on, I always make sure to say. Well, actually, he's cool. always sure to say, you know, yeah. podcaster as well. So, um, and maybe we got some other news coming up in the future uh, for Fancore. So they're kind of like our. Uh, they're the mature version of, 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 of our podcast friend. Uh, we've kind of got the, the two podcast friends, Geek Out Loud and uh, and Fancore. And Geek Out Loud is yeah. fun for all ages. Steve, I'm right. sure that it is. Fancore is more for the adult audience. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely for the non-Star Wars fans. Like, if you are not a Star Wars fan, you will find lots of things over there uh, to check out. And if you are a Star Wars fan, you'll find probably even more. I mean, I have my own yeah. blog over there, so I talk about... Star Wars related stuff in pop culture all the time cool. on that site and it's more of a text based site than it is a podcast he does a podcast every once in a while but... yeah so uh, okay. I just thought I'd get that plug in there now you can get to your news After <laughs> I'm going to grab a chip though would you like to okay as you're grabbing the chip <laughs> I, can, I know I can send files through Skype can I send chips through Skype I don't know but now I'm hungry now but uh, you know I'm going to sacrifice for the podcast and wait until after we're done you're, um, you're a real tr- <laughs> I'm a trooper here uh, so yeah back to the news uh, looks like uh, a documentary is coming out and it's called The People vs. George Lucas and uh, <clears throat> the title or the uh, some of the information about this uh, movie is it explores a titanic struggle <clears throat> between godlike filmmaker a godlike filmmaker and his legions of fans over the most popular franchise in movie history at its core uh, People versus George Lucas uh, is the examination of a high-profile, dysfunctional love story. And I don't think there's any, well, there is no other director since movies have been around that have been talked about, uh, written about, uh, fan movies made of and about his movies. And now we got a movie about People versus George Lucas. I mean, it's unbelievable the the amount of uh, you know uh, good or bad people have to say about him um, and to make a whole movie about it is kind of amazing you know and I don't know if you've seen the you've seen the trailer right yeah you sent me over the trailer last week and uh, man it looks really good yeah yeah I'm really excited I want to see it I want to I'm gonna talk to uh, some people in Vancouver here maybe try and put together a screening or something after it yeah it's a south by southwest because it yeah it looks really really interesting for star wars fans and everything it's it's um it's a bit of a bitter pill right because some of us are hardcore star wars fans and i consider the hardcore star wars fans the ones that are able to just enjoy star wars for the sake of enjoying star wars you know the ones that can really well i mean like us we we enjoy every aspect of star wars i think even 
the things that maybe aren't intended for us. I mean, like, I like everything from $600 statues to galactic heroes and from the Clone Wars to Revenge of the Sith and, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And even the holiday special. Like, I like the holiday special, even though it's terrible. But there are other Star Wars fans that aren't quite as hardcore that want to complain about everything. And they, they... they might be hardcore geeks, but I don't know if they're hardcore Star Wars fans. Because a hardcore Star Wars fan, I don't want to say that they apologize for it. They're not the apologists, because I don't like the apologists. But they're the people who go, you know what? Take it or leave it. It is what it is. And yeah. and this movie sort of, it focuses on more of the people that have something to say about it. I mean, obviously it wants to be controversial and entertaining. So they right. talk, like, at least in the trailer. I don't know, because I haven't seen it yet. So maybe they present more of an unbiased viewpoint. But from the trailer, it seems like it's very... Um, it's very anti-prequel. Like, it's a lot about these guys, a whole bunch of different people, complaining about the prequels. There are also some defenders, like some people who say... Like, one of the quotes on the, on the trailer is that... Um, is that the fact that they hate it so much just proves how much they love it. I must say I love it. And, yeah, that was a good quote. And I was yeah. like, that's totally the truth, because that that is the sign of like some of these hardcore Star Wars devotees who, who really have an issue with Clone Wars or whatever, because they're hardcore yeah. OT fans, right? Right. Um, that's o- original trilogy, not Old Testament, but... Uh, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like religion. It's a little bit, uh, man. It's yeah. it's it's crazy how how insane people get with it. And Star Wars has become one of those things. It's become one of those things like politics and religion. If you are in a comic book store, just don't bring it up. Don't yeah. do it. You're better to talk about politics or religion before talking about Star Wars because less feelings will get hurt if you talk about politics and religion. Than if you bring up Star Wars, and you never thought you'd hear to say that, yeah. Yeah, and this movie is definitely like it's exploring that. So I'm, I'm excited. I want to see it. I want to see it on the big screen. And give these guys, oh yeah, yeah, know, as much help as possible on getting it out there. So you guys should should uh, check out their website. What was their website again? I think it. It's just uh, people vs as in versus yeah. people vs George Lucas, um, and they got the trailer on there. Uh, actually, there's two trailers, actually, uh, an early teaser and then the, the new trailer for 2010. So I believe it's supposed to be hitting theaters sometime around March, uh, but I'm not sure when we'll see it uh, around my area or your area. But, yeah, uh, documentaries are yeah. hard. Some, most of those are yeah, yeah. wide. But yeah. thankfully, Vancouver is big enough in the film scene that we get a lot of stuff and that there's also a lot of people out here who are willing to do stuff. There's a few fan and geek groups out here that I might be able to uh, get that figured out with. Yeah. Partner with Frontlines and do that. Sweet. Yeah. No, I mean, it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be a fun little thing, you know, and like you said, it goes from one extreme to the other, and there's some good quotes in that trailer, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you got the one side that's like, hey, you know, they were, they were playing that song where it's uh, George Rate My Childhood. And, you know, that's one extreme. And then you go to the extreme where it's like, really? I mean, aren't we being a little overdramatic here about this, you know? Yeah. Let's, 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 let's bring it down to the real world here. You know, we're just talking about movies here. 
that's, that's the way some people are, you know, and it's, it's like anything, like you said, it's like religion, it's like politics. You're going to have huge, huge, uh, diversions from one side to the other. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. So I'm looking forward to that too. So, um, we got some, uh, collecting news to get to as well. We huh? do. Okay, we got a couple things. You want to start off with the Happy yeah, Meals? Yeah, we've got the Star Wars McDonald's Happy Meals returning to McDonald's restaurants. Uh, there's eight toys in this set. Four of them are character keepers. Darth Vader, Anakin, Yoda, and R2-D2. So really, there's only three characters there. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. Vader and Anakin, <laughs> it, it's a little bit silly. I don't know why they wouldn't do Obi-Wan or something. But uh, yeah, and really. four starship launchers: uh, Millennium Falcon, X-wing fighter, Jedi starfighter, and Republic gunship. Uh, the character keepers also come with this cool Star Wars temporary tattoo, and all premiums feature a unique code. Uh, the Happy Meal packaging will feature images of Darth Vader and Yoda, games and instructions that direct consumers to the McDonald's HappyMeal.com website, where they are able to join the quest to. Help defend McWorld from Darth Vader in McDonald's free (laughs) virtual world for kids, as well as experience augmented reality with McD Vision, which which they came up with for Avatar. Uh, Visitors, yeah, but they're they're holding onto it. They're keeping it like it's their new thing. Uh, Visitors to the site should not forget their secret code inside every Happy Meal, which unlocks a special lightsaber feature within the Darth Vader quest. Um, you know what? I didn't read this closely enough when when uh, we talked about it earlier this week, and I didn't see that whole HappyMeal.com like the this the website yeah McDonald's free virtual world for in Mick world. So um, I want to hear your comments, and while you give your comments on these very sad, depressing toys, <laughs> I'm gonna check out their website and yeah, go see... ahead. I've, I've been to the website. Yeah, I don't but think there's Mick... anything on the website yet. Is it? I don't know if there's anything. No, there. there's nothing for that. But what? What, what is Mick World? Is it like, I don't know, like like uh, like a Star Wars Second Life or something like that, or is it like? <laughs> I you know I didn't even see that. Um, but you said you said the key phrase though. It's like uh, kind of weak, you know, as far as uh, toys are concerned. They look like super small. Yeah, they're totally. Right. And, uh, you know I. I don't even know why they're doing this. I mean, I got the Clone Wars TV sh- TV show out, but there's not really a movie. You know, there's no movie out, of course. So this is kind of out of the blue. Yeah, it's kind of surprised to see that. And uh, you know, I mean, some collectors are probably gonna the completists are probably gonna have to get these. I mean, you got the like you said, the X Wing and the Million Falcon and stuff like that. So, um, but it kind of kind of brought me back to to all the years that have been around and and the Happy Meal, not the Happy Meals, but the kids meals. And uh, kind of the first, the first uh, promotion they did was for Burger King, and yeah, uh, like they used. To, do you remember that? Well, when episode well, it was kind of before your time, but well, when episode one came out, they were. It was because of a partnership with Pepsi, right? That was a uh, Pepsi, yeah, KFC. So they were with KFC, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Well, Pizza Hut. Um, Pizza, yeah. And now Burger King is actually part of that same corporate entity, entity that yes, those other yeah. three restaurants as well. Right. So at the time, oh, uh, yeah. at the time episode one came out, they weren't. But they've had Star Wars before. They actually had probably 
one of the first, uh, I think it was the Cups, when they did the Cups for, Star, uh, you know, the regular Star Wars. Uh, again, this is before your time, and, and I remember having these in the house. There was a glass, a sticker set, and some posters that came out with uh, Burger King. And it wasn't necessarily with a Happy Meal, but it was just the uh, promotional thing that went along with Burger King. And probably one of the most successful and most sought after uh, items now, especially collecting items, was the was the glasses, and uh, it started back then. And here we are back in, or here we are now in 2010. They still have, you know, toys and stuff coming out. So, yeah, you know, this is probably not going to stop. But the the level of toy or collectible that's coming out now is just not even close to what it. I mean, even last year they had Burger King had with the Star Trek glasses. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they can do that. Why can't they do something like that again with Star Wars? I can't figure it out, you know. It's, Star Trek was able to do something cool. Well, I, you know, you know, Happy Meal toys used to be really great. Like, they, yeah, back yeah. in the day when I was a kid. Um, the one that I always jumped to is the uh, the Muppet Babies ones that they did. Where it, yeah. had, it had, like, a little vehicle, and then it had the little figure of the Muppet. And you would put, the, like, you could take them in and out of the vehicle and, and that sort of thing. And then when they did... Uh, Batman Returns. They did a lot of really cool stuff, and uh, man, there were there were lots of great things. And that was back when Disney was pumping out cartoons every year, and yeah, they had lots of great toys for all, all that stuff. And they were like these well painted little, like cool little toys that did stuff, but were not ridiculous. I don't know. And yeah. and now it's like. You get these one color plastic, one paint, or one to two paint colors, and uh, and they don't really do anything most of the time, or if they do, it's not anything all that interesting. Like, I can remember toys in cereal boxes being better than these Happy Meal toys. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like it's, it's really quite sad how, like, because they've outsourced it all, right? Like, it's, it's not... Yeah mcdonald's doing it anymore now it's some other company that that handles this stuff and i would think that lucasfilm would have better quality control than to let this stuff come out because the last few things that have come out with the clone wars ones that came out last year for the movie they were terrible as well yeah, they, they yeah. were those stupid bobblehead ships. bobblehead ship vehicles yeah, yeah right. totally lame yeah. really just like crummy pieces of junk and, uh, and I'd really like them to do something actually cool, something actually fun. But the problem is, is that if the figures or if the, the Happy Meal toys are cool enough, nobody's going to buy the stuff that Hasbro puts out. And I'll bet you anything that that's where <laughs> yeah. that's coming from, right? Is that, that could be, yeah. Hasbro saying, look, you can't make the Happy Meal toys better than our toys. They can't yeah. be. But, but why wouldn't you do, like... I don't know, instead of instead of these lame character things in the vehicles, like they always do, it's the same junk that Burger King put out years ago, right? Like, they look identical to Burger King stuff. There's just a couple of new ones. Yeah. Um, why not do something cool? Like, do, like, a, you know, you got to come every week and collect the next piece of your Jedi utility belt or something like that. So, like, one week it's a lightsaber, which is just a flashlight, but it's in the shape of a lightsaber. The next week you get like a little communicator 
which is right. just like you know the little jedi communicator but has just like a little voice recorded message when you push a button like why couldn't you do cool stuff like that because that's what they used to do is these things used to have like sometimes they'd have electronics sometimes yeah you have to collect them all. yeah and you'd have to collect them, collect them all there's yeah there's no point yeah. in collecting all of these right. and there's no point in collecting any of these i mean i'm sure like this is the thing the kids these days are used to this sort of thing and i'm sure that they will love these i'm sure they that like your young guys will probably be all over this you go to mcdonald's and they'll probably yeah. be like oh i totally want to get a jedi starfighter an x-wing you know with right. a happy meal but i don't know like just remembering back from when i was a kid these things pale in comparison it's really pathetic how far yeah. mcdonald's has fallen since yeah. i mean it's not even that long that's the thing is that we're only talking like well i guess 20 years ago but like it doesn't really feel like it's that long ago <laughs> like not yeah. even 20 because like even even when i was like eight nine and ten they were still cool there was still cool stuff coming out you know but well even even in episode one um i remember working for for pepsi and we got all that stuff in and there was some cool stuff in there i mean and there was a lot of different variety. I mean, some of it was junk. I'm not gonna lie, but like those, it was little, a lot those, of the little. Uh, well, this wasn't really Pepsi. It was Lay's, which I, is owned by Pepsi. Or Lay's, yeah. yeah. So they had the cans, right? And, remember the cans? Yeah, and Lay's had the little. They had the little. Um, well, maybe that was for episode two, not for episode one. They had the little puzzle pieces. Do you remember those? They were like yeah, that little, was probably two. That was episode two. They had those little character things in the lace chips that when you put them up to the light, they looked like they were 3D. Yeah, but right. They, it was just plastic. Like, it was just the way that they call it up, plastic or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was some definite... For collectors, it was episode one probably had the most stuff. I mean, you had the cup toppers that were an actual figure. Yeah, from, from Pizza Hut and Burger King. From Pizza Hut, yeah. yeah. Pizza Hut had the boxes that had the... You know the the art on them the pictures i mean there was some stuff this there was some decent stuff but then there was like you said there was also kind of the goofy junky stuff like this but i don't know you can kind of see how over the years just kind of kind of dwindled and now they're just putting it out to as cheap and, and easy as they can so it'd be nice to go back to the old old ways where just do some glasses or something collectible that'd be kind of fun you know but that's the way it is now. Why don't you give the kids something that they can take outside and play with that'll get them active or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So they're just a little toy that they're like a stupid little X Wing that they're gonna launch twice and lose the launcher and then it's just gonna be an X Wing. Then they're done, yeah. I don't know, we'll see. So we got um, another piece of news that's kinda hot off the press too. Yeah, huh? yeah, this is this is fresh off of the presses today. Yeah. We got Lego Star Wars three. The Clone Wars coming out. Uh, let's see. LucasArts has announced Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars, which is going to be a mouthful. It's going to be a pain by the time I say that every time. A new title based off the animated CGI series on Cartoon Network. Development is being handled by Traveler's Tales, who previously worked on the past Lego-themed titles that include Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Batman. The title will include all the characters from both seasons, as well as additional fan favorites from the movies. There's also promise of a new battle mode and an upgraded level builder, allowing players to create custom bases and in-game battlefields. Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars is slated for release this fall for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Nintendo DS, 
Wii and PSP. In other words, everything. I'm sure everything, it's, I'm sure so it's also cool. coming out for PC, but who cares? Yeah. Nobody yeah. plays games on their PCs. The PC is dead. Do they? <laughs> oh, yeah, so here FPS we go. kids, you know, just those kids yeah. playing Team Fortress and Left 4 Dead. That's it. World of Warcraft. Yeah, and, and WoW. No, yeah. that's not... That we do not promote that sort of business. Actually, that's not true. We do promote that sort of business, but not until 2011 when Star Wars: The Old Republic comes out. Right. At which point <laughs> we'll be doing live shows from inside the Star Wars: The Old Republic. Inside, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So all you Lego fans out there, I know there's a lot of fans of the original trilogy, and uh, it's a fun game, and my kids play it a lot. And uh, this should only build upon that. Yeah. That game platform, and uh, with some new uh, some new stuff coming out with the upgraded level builder and uh, custom bases and all that, so that should be pretty cool. Now I, ne- I never played the last one, and not uh, what was the latest one? That, another Indiana Jones just came out, right? The second Indiana Jones one that they've made, or is that the first Indiana Jones? One of them uh, that's got like the level building and stuff. I haven't. I think uh, I haven't played with any of the level builder stuff. Have you? No, I haven't. I've just done the. You know, my youngest son plays. The trilogy, yeah, uh, uh, on uh, Xbox 360. Okay, but I haven't tried the level builder yet. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't managed to to find time to play a Lego Star Wars game lately. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm too busy yeah. playing real video games. But for those of you <laughs> yeah. who do enjoy a nice uh, casual game, yeah, that's coming out for you. And it's not, I mean, I'll, I will check this one out because it's Clone Wars, and. Uh, it's coming out close to the beginning. Well, actually, it'll probably be right around the same time as Season 3 starting up. So yeah. maybe there will be some uh, Season 3 stuff in there as well. Yeah, it says... Did it say something about being on the based on the first two seasons? It says in this based on the first two, but I would think oh, that's the sort of thing have that they want to keep under wraps under until wrap. later. Yeah. Like, they'll roll that out at a later date and say, hey, also, check out this new character from Season 3 that's going to be in the game and this new level yeah so cool but we'll probably get to see stuff at c5 <laughs> yeah i really. still haven't heard back sure. i mean peter tatara over at uh oh man what's the name of the exhibition that uh the, they they're the ones who are actually organizing c5 he's been really good about he's trying to get to push through my application for approval um and he works for the actual company he doesn't work for lucasfilm so he's trying to do that, but he he hasn't heard anything back from Lucasfilm yet. So um, I just emailed him today. Still waiting. He said as soon as he knows, uh, he will let me know. Um, cool. But yeah, so Hurry up and we, still wait. we still haven't heard back, but hopefully we'll hear soon. Yeah. And, uh, and find out that, yes, we have been approved for press status and that we will be able to walk around and get interviews with people. That's yeah. We get to walk around holding our press badges. Press, press, yeah, press. Yeah, press. I'm going to stick it in a hat. Yeah. Kind of like Wayne's World. Press. Yeah. Coming through. Coming through. <laughs> well, that's some of the news, folks. And uh, looks like it's time to head over to our weekly recap. Awesome. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. My name's Rex. But you'll call me Captain or Sir. I make the rules now. I'm Ahsoka Tano. Jedi scum. For 800 years have I trained Jedi. Yeah, 
Okay, here we go. We're going to start off with Voyage of Temptation. The luxurious vessel Coronet soars gracefully from Mandalore into deep space. Inside its darkened cargo holds, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker brief their clone contingent, led by Clone Commander Cody and Captain Rex. All aboard are to remain vigilant for any sign of the Death Watch. Even R2-D2 commits his scanners to the cause. Kenobi and Skywalker are called to attend the Duchess, and Skywalker senses a touch of anxiety within his old mentor, something Obi-Wan is reluctant to talk about. In the Duchess' opulent throne room, where she is attended to by other senators and servants, she immediately begins verbally sparring with Kenobi. She did not ask for Jedi protection and finds the notion of fighting for peace distasteful. Their debate becomes heated, increasing the discomfort in the room among the senators. But they put aside their argument in time for dinner. The Republic military presence is the only sure defense against the Separatists. Even extremists can be reasoned with. Perhaps if one can be heard over the clanking of their battle droids. Oh, the sarcasm of a soldier. The delusion of a dreamer. Duchess, Master Jedi, it's been a long trip. I think we could all use a little rest and refreshment. Here, here. Now, let us put politics aside until after dinner. Fine. Fine. Okay, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that... Uh, we want to talk about here. Um, let's set some things up. Uh, basically, we're starting off. Uh, they're taking uh, Satine over to the, or taking her to Coruscant, and uh, they're protecting her. And we kind of find out that she's pretty neutral in this war. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like Switzerland right now. She just wants to stay in the middle. She don't want to commit to anything. That's her gig. Um, yeah. Well, she's a pacifist, and we find pacifist, out. Yeah. We find yeah. out in this episode. That she isn't just the ruler of the planet Mandalore, but of other systems as well. Like right, her neutral systems. Yeah, yeah. Her, uh, I don't know, her sovereignty or whatever is is over more than just Mandalore. It's 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 all of the planets in the system as well. And it sounded I I remember them saying at one point multiple something about multiple systems. Something about her being the Duchess of multiple systems. Yeah. And that's why there's the issues with Mandalore that, you know, she's she's from somewhere else. She's not from Mandalore. She's not a Mandalorian by birth. She just happens, that happens to be the seat of her office, I guess. And uh, that's why there's some issues with people who don't believe in the pacifism thing. And why Mandalore has changed so much. Because she took over... And uh, I don't know. I guess upset the the status quo because from her planet, wherever she comes from, like she is, they're they're like total pacifists. I, I would assume somewhat like uh, Alderaan, right? Right? How Alder how Alderaan has no weapons and how they're peaceful and all that sort of thing. Right. Um. So she's like imposing this pacifism on everybody. And uh, and Obi Wan doesn't agree with it. Like Obi Wan agrees in fighting to defend freedoms and that sort of thing. Right. Um, because at a certain point, you I, he's according to him, you know, you have to. 
I tend to agree with Obi-Wan. Um, and obviously Anakin agrees with Obi-Wan, which we will get to much, much later. The, this episode, for sure, started off sort of really slow, but totally ends with an exclamation point. Oh, man, yeah. And, yep. like, the end is one of the best moments in all of Clone Wars so far. And, and once again, it's an Anakin moment, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I felt the same way. Um, well, you know, we start off... Uh, we had a little callback to Attack of the Clones here. We got Anakin who senses some anxiety. Yeah, Obi Wan. Yeah. So it's funny. It's funny. This is a little, yeah, this is a little bit of a hybrid of Episode One and Two because we've got, you know, they're on the Duchess's ship protecting her from people who want to kill her because she wants to stay out of, you know, keep her people from being involved in a war. But there's yeah. these people who want to start a war, who want like are in league with Sidious, totally just like uh, Padme at the beginning of Episode One, right? Like it just totally harkens back to that, you know, two Jedi along to protect her, and they get into all sorts of trouble along the way, right? Oh yeah, definitely. and uh, and then you've also got like you're saying this this thing with Obi Wan and Satine, and Anakin's picking up on it, right? Yeah, he's definitely got it. Yeah. And well, they're even in the elevator and everything, just like episode two. Yeah. It's really funny to see the tables get turned. Yeah. Well, as you heard in the, cl- in the clip we just played, uh, we get continuing the, the great chemistry between Obi-Wan and Satine. It's almost like a married couple bickering. And, yeah. uh, you know, they finally end on fine. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, kids in a playground, you know, they like each other, but they treat each other kind of crappy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and uh, they thrown rocks, but yeah, that's how they like show. Like you hit their somebody you really like or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, and then Anakin has a, a line here where Satine kind of says, "You fight for peace." It's kind of like an oxymoron there. That doesn't really make sense to her, you know. He's saying, "Yeah, we're trying to fight for peace," and she's like, "Well, that that doesn't make sense, you know. It's peace, but we got to fight for it." And that's mm-hmm. where we get her ideas of uh, being a pacifist. Yeah, but uh, some good stuff in there. A lot of a lot of good throwbacks there, and uh, some good chemistry between, uh, like I said, Obi Wan and Satine, and kind of kind of reminds you of, like you said, Anakin and uh, Padme at the end of Attack of yeah. the Clones, kind of fighting together. Yeah. We see more of that later on too in this, so we'll yeah. get to that. Um, back in the car, uh, darkened cargo hold, two clones, Mixer and Red Eye, sweep the pallets for any signs of a security breach. They are both silently attacked by a horrible spider-like assassin droid, and their squad mates remain oblivious to the danger. As they make their way to the dining chambers, Anakin asks Obi-Wan about his history with the Duchess. He reveals that when he was younger, on an extended mission with Qui-Gon Jinn, he spent a year on Mandalore protecting the Duchess from insurgents who threatened her world. When Satine returned to rebuild her world after a devastating civil war, Obi-Wan was assigned elsewhere and had to leave despite his feelings for her. So here it is right here. We find out uh, what's going on, and, and looks like Obi-Wan's been on a long a long assignment. That's a year. That's a pretty long time. And we get yeah. a mention of Qui-Gon here, which is kind of cool. Him and Qui-Gon were on an extension. That has to be one of my favorite parts of the episode was the yeah. fact that, like, you know, it's just, they could have just as easily said, you know, when he was younger. Yeah. But they, and I'm sure that this was a conscious thing, like, go out of your way, mention Qui-Gon. You know, I, I would really like to see Qui-Gon 
come back in some sort of way, like to do a flashback episode or something like that. Well, you just but, said it right there. That so, would how cool would that have been? Just a yeah. like a ten second flashback of Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon and her. You know, yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but it would it it it's I can understand why they're not doing it yet yeah. because it would be very resource heavy. They'd yeah. have to do young Obi Wan, right. uh, not with the armor. Right, he's got the short hair. He's got yeah. the braid. Uh, and then they'd have to do Qui-Gon as a new one. And then they'd also have to do a young version of Satine, right? But, right. Um, yeah, I, I think that they did miss a bit of an opportunity in this episode to do something really interesting and to go back and tell that story. Oh, without, yeah. Without, and, but you never know. I mean, it, it, we've still got a little bit of this nonlinear sort of idea of, of the Clone Wars series. So we could get that later on in the future. We, we might get that story. Yeah. Well, another another good scene here is uh, as they come in, Obi-Wan sits down in the chair, and uh, he's talking to Anakin about, you know, him and Satine and how it was they live hand-to-mouth. Hand mouth. And uh, he has a good line where he says, uh, Yoda leaves out a f- the, the feeling of remorse. Uh, you know, I can, okay, I can deal with the... Uh, no attachments, but no attachments. there's a there's a kind of a painful part process to this, and a, and a remorseful feeling when you have to leave somebody. And Anakin knows what he's talking about. He he had to leave his mother. So oh, well, and he has to leave his wife on a regular basis. And right? yeah, and he's well, already exactly. put himself in mortal danger. And and I think that what we're seeing here is what I think we were hoping to see, which is how could Obi Wan see the relationship that Anakin has with Padme. Right. And not do something about it. And I think we're getting that answer. Obi-Wan doesn't agree with this part of the order. And yeah. you can tell. Oh, we'll he, find out more later. He's not the type to say anything. He's not the type to speak out against it and to say to Yoda, you know, like, this is an issue. Like, this is not right. This is not how we're intended to live. This can't be the will of the Force, that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's a... It's a conversation and a, and a topic that I think that the EU fans are going to be familiar with because Luke Skywalker specifically makes that decision. He knows later on in the series of, of books that originally the Jedi were celibate and that they were yeah. detached and all that sort of thing. Um, they were forbidden from being with someone. And he makes the decision that his Jedi Order is not going to be like that. Yeah. That that was probably one of the things that, that led to the downfall of the Jedi in the first place was that they were so segregated and they were just so far from the people that they were supposed to be serving and 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 obviously like the will of the Force, right? Like the Force is life and and all of that sort of thing. It would want people to be together and happy. It just in any other, there's there's no logic other than the attachment thing and because of the dark side. Right. Stuff. But yeah. I think that that Luke makes the argument that you have a you have an att- attachment to the light side of the Force when your life is filled with people that you care about, right? Right. So, and I think that Obi Wan's along the same lines. Obviously, he gives a little bit of that to Anakin, and we see where it can go wrong. But you know, Obi Wan also had something to do with Luke's training. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, especially if you read the EU stuff, uh, Obi-Wan and Luke had conversations in between movies and after the movies and that sort of thing uh, before he eventually decided to not appear to him anymore. 
which I think was a silly decision that they made. But um, I think that was Thrawn, wasn't it? In 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 one of the Thrawn books. Thrawn trilogy, yeah. Yeah, Timothy Zahn wrote that that, right, that right. Obi Wan comes to him and says, "I'm gonna go rest now," <laughs> and it's like, "Um, you're yeah. one with the Force. You are resting." <laughs> yeah. Like, but whatever. Yeah. I we're getting totally off topic. <laughs> no, but that. Uh... Good ceiling there, just to kind of get an insight of, of what's going through Obi-Wan's head. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Kenobi's wistful reflection is cut short when Captain Rex reports in. R2-D2 is frightened by something in the cargo hold, and Red Eye and Mixer have gone missing. Anakin volunteers to head to the lower decks to help investigate while Kenobi bears the brunt of diplomatic duty. R2 and Anakin discover an empty container. Whatever was inside was released or escaped. Skywalker orders his troops to fan out. Stirring in the shadows appears to be Red Eye, walking as if in a trance. As Anakin gets closer, he sees that a huge, spider-like assassin probe is animating Red Eye's corpse like a puppet. Discovered, the droid hurls Red Eye's body like a missile. Anakin dodges and ignites his lightsaber, ready to take on the thick-footed terror. The clone officers arrive with their troops and riddle the droid with blaster bolts. Um, so here we go. A uh, couple things that I, I liked in this scene right here. Um, first of all, we got another, it kind of reminded me of, uh, aliens again with the, with the assassin droids in the darkness. Yeah. Um, even Dave Filoni kind of finally came out and said in the commentary. Yeah. The commentary. Says, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny cause it ends up being a mix of two different, uh, James Cameron movies in what he describes. And <laughs> yeah. it was kind of on this James Cameron thing because of Avatar. Um, and he says that the upper decks are like the Titanic. They're very opulent and fancy. And yeah. They're having, you know, with a bunch of rich people. And yeah, yeah. Having big, overly uh, fancy dinners and that sort of thing. And then below the decks, there is this cargo hold that's all dark and dark mysterious. Engine, yeah, and, right. and there's something running around killing people in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because it's like two James Cameron movies. Yeah, one. definitely, definitely. In, in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I liked, and this goes back to earlier in the uh, in the series when I talked about the lightsabers and how they so do some different things with them and, and slow them down and this and that. And there was a good scene here where Anakin ignites his saber, and he's just holding it for a second, and he'll do this little flick of the wrist, flourish it around his, around his hand, as he's getting ready to fight the uh, assassin droid. And it's just the little little things like that that I like to see. Yeah. Um, it just adds a little bit. I mean, he's known to do that. He's done that uh, Attack of the Clones. He does a little flip and Episode 3 flips and that. And it just it's just a little bit of a realism for me. And it's just something I like. It's something small, but it's something I like to see uh, them do in the series. So. I just wanted to point that out. Well, we also get a uh, our first lightsaber throw and a throw. Yeah, in, we're gonna get uh, that in too. the Clone Wars later on. So yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool episode. Really cool. Um, a second assassin probe takes advantage of the distraction and scurries toward the turbo lift shaft. Skywalker calls Obi Wan via comlink, warning him of the loose droid. The probe charges into the dining room, slicing through guards. Kenobi cuts it down before it can get to the Senators. Each assassin probe has tiny pits along its cranial dome. 
filled with smaller, spider-like probe killers. Dozens of the crawling droids emerge to continue their mission in both the cargo hold and the dining room. Anakin, R2, and the clones rush, crush, blast, slice, or zap as many as they can. Kenobi and Satine also defend themselves, with the Duchess producing a small handheld droid deactivator from her robes. This is the, the part of the episode where it reminded me of Anakin and Padme in the uh, Geonosian arena. They're back to back, and uh, they both. She has her little phaser uh, deactivator, and he's got his lightsaber, and uh, they have a little banter that goes back and forth. So that definitely reminded me of uh, Anakin and uh, yeah, aggressive negotiations. Aggressive <laughs> negotiations, yeah. So that was kind of neat. Uh, with the droids destroyed, Anakin focuses on learning how the killer was smuggled aboard. According to the cargo manifest, someone used a Senate stamp to approve shipment of the crates containing the droids. That means one of the four senators aboard, Orn Frita, Ken Rob, Anaconda Far, or Tal Merrick, was behind the shipment. So, you know, it, they do a little uh, Jedi investigation here. And uh, at the beginning of the episode, we're trying to figure out, you know, how the heck can they get those on board and what's going on here? And, and then we find out that someone is, in fact, a traitor. And it's yeah, there were, one of these four. There was someone that I didn't trust from the beginning of the episode. I didn't trust him when he appeared in last week's episode either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of I course, just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Well, we'll uh, I'll give it away a little bit. His hat is what gives him away. It's uh, a bad guy. Bad guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out, that they're kind of broken it down to one of these four senators who is in league with the Death Watch. Yeah. Uh, Kenobi hatches a plan, using a single mini-assassin probe to expose the traitor. Kenobi carries the droid under a glass serving tray to each senator in turn, theorizing that it is programmed to kill anyone except the one who programmed it. The droid remains passive when exposed to Senator Tal Merrick. Merrick knocks the droid from Obi-Wan's grasp, pulls a blaster, and holds it to Satine's head. Using Satine as a shield and hostage, Merrick leaves the dining hall. The droid displays unusual hostility toward the Honorable Kin Rob. But it seems to like you, Senator Merrick. Well, Prince. Really, General Kenobi, you're quite clever. Obi-Wan uses his, uh, you know, skills in another way. He finds a way to uh, bring out the traitor by using yeah. a uh, small assassin, a uh, little small assassin droid to uh, to bring out the traitor. And we got Tal Merrick. We find out it's Tal Merrick who is in league with the uh, Death Watch. And Tal Merrick is played by uh, Greg Poops, who we've heard before in episode one and he's got a, a good he does he does this uh scene pretty well um a lot mm -hmm. of people were talking about how it, it reminded not not this scene but as we go deeper in the episode how they reminded him somewhat of the joker and and uh, how nothing phases him and he kind of turns things around uh 
on other people. So uh, that's how we find out uh, who's behind it. And uh, he takes uh, uh, Satine hostage. And then we get to the uh, last act, which is the really great act right here that we talked about earlier. So yeah. We'll get to that. yeah, for sure. Uh, Kenobi radios Skywalker with the update on Merrick's treachery, but Skywalker is preoccupied hunting down the third and final assassin probe. The large droid and his tiny spawn attack Rex and Cody. Anakin cuts off its legs and Rex jumps on the droid's head, peppering it with blaster bolts. Merrick forces his way uh, onto the Coronet's bridge and coldly murders the crew. The ship drops from hyperspace and Merrick contacts Previsla via hologram. He reports his success to the Death Watch leader, but requests reinforcements to cover his escape. Darting in from space are a trio of droid boarding ships that plunge into the Coronet's hull, disgorging squads of battle droids. Anakin leads the clones and Satine's guards in defending the corridors against these invaders. So, Mike, you talked earlier about the, the lightsaber throw, and that was a great fight scene right there. Um, yeah. Throws the lightsaber and and, of course, we've done that in the Force Unleashed video game, but we've never seen it in any kind of canon before. Uh, it's not true. Besides the Force Unleashed? Totally not true. Return of the Jedi. It's the first time you get a lightsaber. Oh, there. I got you. Um, yeah, but, well, okay. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Luke throws his lightsaber at... You mean Darth Vader does? Or Vader throws his lightsaber at Luke. Yeah. But it doesn't really show it coming back, though. It doesn't, but he has it. Yeah, I know. But he has it a minute later, so it obviously did come back. Yeah. I guess maybe um, not thrown in the way that as a, you know, it hits something and actually comes back and you catch it. That's what I was kind of meaning. Well, I think, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again to make sure, but I'm fairly sure that Anakin throws it, right? It chops off the thing's legs and then deactivates and comes back to him. Right, right, right. Doesn't it? Like, it's not, No. he doesn't, like, throw it out. It's... He throws it and it spins, which is sort of the trademark lightsaber throw. And that's totally from Return of the Jedi, the way that Vader does it. Yeah. And, uh, but normally, like in any of the video games, it's always that it comes back in like a straight line. But the blade's still ignited. And then in this, it, he throws it and it sort of does its job, turns off, and then comes back. Yeah. You know what? You just, that was, that was a huge throwback and i didn't even recognize it i mean vader <laughs> throwing in episode uh six holy crud I'm totally yeah upset. and this is this may be the first time that he ever did it <laughs> yeah there it is move that he'll use later on to try and defeat Luke. yeah wow there's another great part of the episode i didn't even think about that but yeah <laughs> that was a cool scene and then we got of course these these uh battle droids that come in and uh and anakin just lays some waste to these things i mean he takes on what eight and uh yeah super battle droids sbds yeah so i mean this dude is he's all over it this this these these uh these boarding ships are very cool oh yeah what a way to see them before yeah right several times yeah they keep getting reused but every time that they get used they get used differently i mean the first time we saw them they were just floating right they were just sort of out there and then the droids came out of them and uh, and we had the rocket droids for the first time, right? Yeah. The, the space droids. Uh, and then the second time we saw them, we saw them punching holes into a ship. But then the... Uh... Oh, no, no. The second time we saw them was was as a landing ship for the commandos in, in uh, 
than rookies, right? Which we didn't really see much of the much of them, but we did. That right. is what they landed in was was in these uh, boarding ships. Okay. And then uh, and then we see them again later on. I can't remember what episode, but we see them again later on. Maybe Saw's Ventress. Uh, yeah, we see them with Asajj, yeah. and and they just punch a hole, and then the droids come in through the hole, right? Like they just sort of jump in. Right. Um, and then this time we see them punch a hole, but then the wrecks came out like on the uh, on the MTTs, the the mobile troop transports from Episode One. Yeah. And uh, and these super battle droids, which I I don't think that we've ever seen the super battle droids on a rack like the regular battle droids before. I think that's new. Yeah. Yeah, silly little things to be. <laughs> yeah, but I just think like it's cool when they do stuff like that because it shows that these things have multiple use. That you know, if you're going to load it up with super battle droids, that those things are larger and they're a little bit more awkward. So it's probably easier to just instead of having them jump out, you just have them sort of come out on the rack and then drop uh, onto their feet. Which I just I just think it's cool to have options. You know, to yeah. just see that one piece of uh, technology is being used in different ways. Actually, that reminds me of something that we probably should have talked during uh, collecting news, but I have to bring it up, and this is totally speculation. Saw a picture of the new AT-AT the other day. Right. Uh, early, actually, maybe it was earlier today or yesterday or something. Have you seen this yet? I've a seen, picture of the new, of the new Hasbro AT-AT. For I've seen uh, pictures. I don't know if they were official pictures, though. But you got the one that I saw had this thing displayed with uh, Commander Cody and another clone trooper on bark speeders, and Obi Wan at the foot of the ATAT in his like with his with all of his gear on, mm. like with the helmet and everything on. Now this is totally speculation, and it's probably not even anywhere near like it's totally way off base i'm sure but how cool would it be to see the atat in clone wars oh yeah and see that it was originally used like back then that like to see the first atats being used right and to see like obi-wan alongside oh wow yeah one of those be totally awesome so um just that that one picture that's circulating on the interwebs yeah that uh, that's out there um I don't know if other people will be able to find it. You know what? I'll find it and I'll post it on the on the website. Yeah, and you definitely. And can see it. Um, back to our previously scheduled program. <laughs> well, we, uh, you know, this is uh, the second episode of the Mandalorian plot, and the only Mandalore we see in this whole episode is a, a hologram of pre yeah. So that's it. And, you know, and uh, yeah, America is involved with him, and um, they're trying to take out the, uh, the senator. But... Uh, uh, we're going on the, the towards the end here. We got Kenobi races to the bridge and finds Merrick and Satine. The evil senator has wired the ship's engines to explode and carries the detonator with him. Satine begs Kenobi not to risk any more lives on her behalf. Merrick backs his way off the bridge and into the corridors. Kenobi follows closely, looking for an opening in Merrick's guard. Satine, fearing that all is lost, proclaims her love for Obi-Wan, a sentiment that Kenobi echoes. Now, here is something that I thought was another huge part of the episode here. Huge. I mean, this was big. Huge. I was watching this, and I go, <clears throat> and my wife was up here watching, too, and she was even like, she doesn't even really watch the Clone Wars, but she's like, what? Obi-Wan would have left the Jedi Order, and all Satine had to do was say, 
you know, let's go. You know, I love you. Let's 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 leave. And he would have left. I thought that was a big statement. That's huge. Yeah, that's I, huge wow. for for a character like Obi Wan Kenobi. That is, I, uh, yeah, so hugely integral to uh, to the Star Wars story and everything to make a comment like that. Uh, he's the epitome of Jedi in most people's yeah, eyes, exactly. uh, mine included. And uh, and to say that is it's it's pretty amazing. So you know, I just brought up this picture of the uh, of the ATAT. I'm sending it over to you. Okay. Uh, nice. Looks like there's a Hasbro logo on the little placard in front of it. So it might be an official picture. It might be an official setup. Yeah, I think, I think it is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like we get this great moment that sort of redefines Obi Wan as a character. Now there had been EU stuff. There's a character in, in some of the books that Obi-Wan kind of has a relationship with, uh, but nothing really ever comes of it. She's another Jedi. She was a Padawan alongside him. Yeah. Um, and I think that it started in Cloak of Darkness, which is the book that it's like the prequel to the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's sort of the lead in to, um, to episode one. Uh, I'm fairly certain that she's in that, and uh, and then she appears later on in another book with with Obi Wan and Anakin in between Episode One and Two, and she has a Padawan at that point, and Obi Wan and her have another little thing, and Anakin and the Padawan don't get along or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but so this isn't like new information for the character entirely, but it's the first time that it's been expressed like this. Uh, like it's, it's not new for him to have a relationship. It's new for him to say, look, I, I, I would rather not be a Jedi and be with you, but it's too late now. We're in the middle of a war and I can't do that, which I thought was, was a really interesting way to go. Like they managed to show that he's got those feelings for someone, but that, you know, yeah, they put him in a situation where he can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, I think you said I think you said it best when you kind of you kind of said that you look up, you know, Jedi Knight or Jedi Master in the dictionary, and you would see Obi Wan, you know, and then you have this where like you're like whoa, you know, here we go. Now you kind of see how Anakin can also fall. So maybe it's something that a lot of these Jedi have to deal with. And uh, but you know, coming from Obi Wan, I think that was just one of those jaw dropping moments where you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming, you know. So I thought that was a great scene right there. Yeah, you look up Jedi on Wikipedia, and uh, the first picture is of Qui Gon and Obi Wan. <laughs> I think are the quintessential yeah, yeah. Jedi, right? Like they are yeah. what all of the other Jedi sort of measure up to. Um, especially like Alec Guinness and uh, and Liam Neeson's performances. I think are what every other actor that walks into the role of a Jedi thinks, you know, this is what I have to live up to. This is the sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then to find out that, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Good scene. Uh, go ahead, Mike. You want to finish? Uh, yeah. Merrick is distracted by what he deems a disgusting display of sentiment. Satine stamps her heel into his foot, wriggling out of his hold and grabbing Merrick's blaster. Satine's staunch pacifist now has Merrick at gunpoint. Merrick doesn't believe she'll fire, for to do so would undermine the very pacifist ideal that is embroiling Mandalore in controversy. 
or as as you would say in a British accent, controversy, which I always enjoy saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yet, if Kenobi steps in to kill Merrick, the Jedi will be proven as a cold-blooded killer in the eyes of the woman he loves. Merrick relishes in uh, relishes the stalemate until he is fatally stabbed through the back by Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. Interesting turnabout. But even if I do not deliver the Duchess alive to the Separatists, I still win. The second I'm away, I'll hit the remote and blow the coronet to bits. I will not allow that. What will you do? If you shoot me, you prove yourself a hypocrite to every pacifist ideal you hold dear. And you, Kenobi, you are no stranger to violence. You'd be hailed as a hero by everyone on this ship. Almost everyone. Come on, then. Who will strike first and brand themselves a cold-blooded killer? Anakin. What? He was gonna blow up the ship. Oh, was that awesome? Man, I just gotta give it one of these. I gotta give it one of these. <laughs> Golf clap. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah, that's got to be one of my Seconds top after saying cold-blooded killer, yeah. this lightsaber just, just the tip of it just pokes through his chest. Yeah, yeah. And you go, who? Yeah. And, like, it it was just so well done. Because you're like, there were, it didn't look like there was anywhere for Anakin to pop in there. Yeah, so no, you don't yeah. even think that it could be him. And and then it just pulls back and or like pops back to the other shot and and Obi Wan says Anakin and he goes what he was gonna kill everybody and there's just I mean especially listening to it not seeing the video along with it and and just having already seen it and everything knowing what was coming listening for that music cue oh yeah there is just a little tiny bit of of uh, of the Imperial March in there just just sort of lightly oh, there after he does it and it's like this anakin is the the scene stealer in this series oh, by yeah, far definitely. when we get those little tastes of vader it is so uh, yeah. man it's just it's such a great feeling as a star wars fan who's had to defend the prequels so much <laughs> especially with episode three huh. Because episode three is a great movie, except for the fact that Anakin's turn is just so sudden. Yeah. It just comes out of nowhere. And then everything else is really quick, too. But his turn just comes out of nowhere. But now, every time I watch episode three, after I watch new episodes of this, the movie is just that much better. Because now the full story is out there. Like, he... It's a slow thing. And it's... It's the fact that there was this war and that the Jedi could just let him fall slowly, bit by bit, by yeah. excusing the things that he does. He's like, what? He was going to kill everybody. Yeah. Doesn't stop the fact that, yes, he is exactly what Merrick called him, a cold-blooded killer. And Obi-Wan has morals, and it stopped him. you know. And, and, and Satine is a pacifist, so she didn't do anything. Anakin, no such scruples. Yeah. He does not live by that code. He is the chosen one. He's a Jedi Knight. He's a warrior, you know? Like, And, and it, it just defines his character so well in a way that the movies never did. Just by that simple action 
And and it also, I mean, it's just, it's a great moment no matter what. Just to have this guy relishing in in his uh, in his defeat of of Obi-Wan and Satine. Like, he's just... Oh, yeah, yeah. He just loves the fact that he's put them in this pickle, you know? Like, they... they they might have the upper hand right now, but he still has the upper hand because guess what? They're not going to kill him. And then you just get this great moment where for a split second, you're like, what's going to happen? I don't understand. Is he going to get away with her? What's, are they going to have to go after him? And you're like, you're on the edge of your seat. Oh, yeah. And then this happens and it's just, it is, it, I, I don't know if I'm going to call it my best moment in, in the clone wars yet. Like it's not my favorite. There are still other moments that I like more, but as far as directing and writing go, it is probably the best, most standout moment in the entire series so far because everything just comes together. All the characters are interacting, and it's real. You totally buy it. That's the thing. And I think a lot of the other episodes of this series haven't quite gotten there yet. Right. Um, you get other moments here and there where you start to buy into it, but with this one, you just... I'm totally sold. Like th- this is one of those moments where it is just as good as any movie or dramatic television show or anything, you know, like that moment uh, last week was a big week for TV because lost came back. Right. And, uh, this moment being in the same week as the, you know, season premiere of the final season of lost that moment takes the cake for all of last week's TV for yeah. me. Like, it, it beats out a show like Lost, <laughs> which had some pretty crazy moments for those of you who didn't watch it. Like, it it was pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, like, that says a lot. Like, that's just great writing, great directing, and just uh, a, a sign of how great this show is. And people who are not watching this out of some sort of, I don't know, hate on for George Lucas right now, you know, like, just not pleased with the prequels you know that they had their childhood raped and all that sort of stuff well guess what there are a lot of other kids out there who are having their childhoods made by this show so you know get off your high horse and come join the rest of us in having a good time enjoying this stuff you know like at the end of the day it, it might not be the best star wars out of all of the star wars you know that we have to choose from but it's still darn good TV, and it is still awesome. Like, there's... I I couldn't complain. I can't complain about this episode. Oh, no. Even if it does have a slow start, this exclamation point to it is just like... Yeah. And you know what? That's not even the, the, the end of the episode. Well... We saw another, like, sentence. You, re- you mentioned writing, and this was written by Paul Dini. And uh, I go. just want to piggyback some of the things you said... Uh, you know, probably one of my top... I need to, I need to grab my chips. It's like a... It, it, yeah. <laughs> well, this is probably one of my top, I don't know, I want to say three, two moments of the series so far, like, you you know, you mentioned. And then you mentioned uh, Merrick and how... This is where I talked about earlier. He's got Obi-Wan and Satine, even though he's kind of, like, caught right now, he's going to throw it back on them. You ain't going to kill me. You're a, You're a separatist. Obi-Wan, you can't do anything because here's your girlfriend basically right here. What are you going to do in front of her? You know, and he thinks he's got him, he's got him, uh, trapped almost. And then, you know, we were watching it down here and the whole house was like, Oh, right. When that lightsaber came through and we saw it was Anakin. It was like, everybody's like, no way. That was, that was cool. You know, and you got the musical cues and, 
and everything would just work with that. And it, and it wasn't just that. You had Obi-Wan saying, uh, cold-blooded killer, just before the, the lightsaber uh, goes through. So, I mean, all these things come together and it just yeah. make that scene just so perfect, you know. And, and like I said, one of the one of my favorites of the whole series. So, um, and then we finish up here. The clones report their defeat of the droids. The coronet continues undisturbed Coruscant, where Satine is greeted by Chancellor Palpatine. So we finish up. Uh, the Jedi get Satine to the to a Coruscant to uh, plead her case, and we got a, another scene at the end there with Obi Wan and Satine, and uh, again their chemistry is good, and and she talks to him and. Talks about his beard and how you know, hey, you, you know, you look good with it shaved off. So, kind of nice little way to end up. Yeah, she does. She doesn't like his beard because it hides his handsome face. face. There and you I go. Just like, yeah. uh, uh, it's great because I I have a beard most of the time, um, and and that's doing no small part to Obi Wan Kenobi's <laughs> influence yeah. on me, uh-huh. um, which I get I get crap from my friends all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, about you know when my hair grows out and uh, and I've got a beard, they're like, "Oh, you're rocking the Obi Wan Kenobi look again." Uh, more episode two than anything, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's funny because that's something that my girlfriend says to me, you know, that she likes it when I shave it off because then she can see my face, you know. And it was that was a very like that was a very girlfriend slash wife sort of remark to me, you know, yeah. like oh I. Yeah, can't say I approve of the beard, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which I just I I love it. The, the the writing and everything is just totally stepped up a notch with this uh with this last couple of stories. Yeah, definitely. And you know that was that was the uh, that was the episode, and uh, you know, like a lot of this, a lot of the season, um, not necessarily like the greatest episode, but great moments in these episodes you know yeah. uh great endings and just some great scenes you know maybe the episode wasn't your favorite or my favorite but uh like the last you know few episodes of this of this season man some great moments in it and it's so neat to see that and uh especially with throwbacks to the original trilogy and the musical yeah. cues and stuff like that it's just so neat to see and that's what's so fun about this and like you said Who's ever not watching this because, you know, they're mad about the prequels or the mad? I mean, you're missing something, man. You know, you're missing. Yeah. You know? Get on board with this thing. Check it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, I think I think that about wraps it up for that episode. Yep, I think that's it. Have talked it up. Yep. So let's uh, let's jump over to the mailbag. All right, let's do that. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, head flight, weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. So let's uh, hear from the mailbag. Uh, I still I chuckle every time because that is my favorite line all time. in great. all of Star yeah. Wars. Like there, there are two scenes in all of Star Wars that are by far my favorite. <laughs> Nothing will ever top. Yeah. That's one of them, and the other one is the scene with Han and Leia in. Uh, in the Hoth corridors. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, with a, you know, I just assumed Kiss a Wookiee yeah. on. Um, yeah, those are my two favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. And they're both, it's just, 
they're both awkward Han Solo moments like that because the guy is just a he's a hero yeah. and he's this smuggler and he's a total he's a rogue and a scoundrel and he's all these things and he's t- he's the bad boy you know yeah. but then when push comes to shove even he has awkward yeah. moments and they're hilarious they're just the greatest and they, they're the things that make Star Wars oh great. yeah love that line love that line Anyways, so Peter has an email for Peter us. Peter Schoenberg, he says, Hi guys, just wanted to ask, why could the government Mandalor- slash Mandalorian be able to use the lightsaber, and why was it black? Also, do you think that this episode solved the Mandalorian problem with Lucas? Also, I searched Clone Wars on Twitter and couldn't find you guys. Please tell me what I'm doing wrong. And that's from uh, Peter. So we got a couple questions here. You want to... Well, I'll, I'll address the clone, the Twitter okay. thing first. Hi. You want to go www... Actually, okay, I'm going to give you the full thing. H-T-T-P colon forward slash forward slash www.twitter.com slash Clone Wars. And Clone Wars is all one word. Uh, If you put that into your, your internet browser address bar, that will take you right to our... Our Twitter account, uh, and then you can follow us there. Um, I don't know about searching Clone Wars. I don't know how how well that works, but yeah, that's how you get there. So, uh, what you're doing wrong is you're searching us. Don't search us. Just put in the uh, just put it in the thing. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, as for the Governor slash Mandalorian uh, Pre Vizsla being able to use the lightsaber, well, he's a Mandalorian. Anybody can use a lightsaber. Yeah, anybody can use it. It's just whether or not you know you're likely to hurt yourself yeah. more than somebody right. else. And uh, and if he's trained with it, I mean, he's had the, this thing. Well, it seems like he's had it for a long time, being the leader of the Death Watch and everything. Um, and it sounded like it was the sort of thing that gets passed down from generation to generation. Right. So I'm sure he was trained in how to use it, and that's why he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and these guys are warriors, so any capable warrior is going to be able to grab a lightsaber and do something with it. You yeah. know? Uh, obviously, he can't beat Obi-Wan. He doesn't even come close. No. But he does manage to swing the thing around for yeah. a while. As for why it's black, well, that's pretty simple, because it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was the only reason. It just looks Well, awesome. it was probably, uh, you know, it's it was an ancient weapon, so it was probably one of the first lightsabers that was created, yeah. so... Maybe that was all, you know, lightsabers, if you follow anything about how they're made, as far as in the Star Wars universe, uh, they're made out of the, the crystal that's used, or the crystal that's used, I guess, draws the color, if I remember right. And maybe that's just what it was back then, was all black. And Back in, back in the day, there used to be, uh, on the StarWars.com website, and I'm talking a long time ago, 96, 97, back in the early days of the Star Wars website, they had diagrams of stuff out. And they had a diagram, it was a cutaway diagram of a lightsaber. And I'm sure this appears in a book or something as well, somewhere along the way. But this illustration shows the inside of the lightsaber and how it works. So you have a few main components. You've got the dielectric nuclear core, which is essentially a battery. That's where the power source comes from. After that, you have a beam emitter. Uh, or, which focuses through the crystal, through an Adigan crystal, mm. and then comes out through the emitter matrix, 
which also has a singularity generator on it. So I believe that the idea behind that is that the beam is focused through the crystal, comes out through the emitter matrix. The emitter matrix is, it splits the beam into a bunch of beams, which is like sort of like a, in, if you look at Obi-Wan's lightsaber on the top of the emitter matrix, the faucet where it comes out, you can see that there's a bunch of little dots, like there's a bunch of little divots. And so the beam comes out through those. And then the singularity generator, which if you don't know what a singularity is, it's the core of a black hole. I'm assuming creates a black hole, which if you also know anything about physics, black holes pull in light. So they bend light towards them. So based on that logic of that diagram, which was on the StarWars.com website and is in no way canon and is totally, and this is me remembering it from years and years ago. The way that I always figured that it worked is that you emit the beam, which would just go on into perpetuity yeah, really. until the energy ran out, like until the energy burnt itself out and dissipated. But what you've got is a singularity generator, which pulls it back in, which is why you end up with a rounded edge on a lightsaber at the top. And we sort of saw, you know, this episode's a great episode to talk about it because we just saw a close up of the, of the termination point on a lightsaber. And it sort of comes to this, it's a it's a rounded edge, but it's almost sort of like a point. It's sort it's yeah sort of like a sharpened rounded right. edge, and then and then comes back in on itself, and then folds back in on itself. And I figure that's as near as I can tell the the way that a lightsaber works. Okay, uh, within Star Wars universe and whatever logic you can try to put on it. Um, as for this lightsaber, totally different situation going on. Because the, the, the hilt itself is a totally different construction. It looked like it was flat and wide right. uh, rather than being circular. So I would imagine that the emitter is similar but works on different principles. And, uh, and, and uh, the, you know, it's older technology. Right, right. So it might – here's the logic I can give you, Okay. As far as I, you know, and this is totally, this is all me. This is 100% Mike. I, I would imagine that because the, the, it was, you know, more crude technology back then, they were using more unwieldy tech. And, uh, and you had an instance where the, the, the singularity generator, or if there was maybe multiple singularity generators, because there might be multiple faucets, which give it that flat blade appearance. Um they're sucking in light and that's why you end up with a black lightsaber. Mm -hmm. So instead of, instead of it being generating light the way that a, that a standard lightsaber does, maybe these ones, maybe the old lightsabers were actually like, maybe they're even pulling in light from around them and forming it into a blade by the use of black holes, like by the use of singularities and black hole technology. Like, who knows? Yeah. And I'm totally just making this up. And it's all ridiculous because it's Star Wars and it's fantasy more than it is science fiction yeah. any day of the week. So the real reason is because it's totally awesome. <laughs> the, yeah. if, you, yeah. if, if you need an actual logic, I just gave it to you. And I defy anybody to come up with a better <laughs> logic. You just dropped us okay. some lightsaber knowledge on us, man. 
Yeah, and I hope that somebody from Lucasfilm is listening and hears that I have so many great ideas. And the next time you guys are putting together an encyclopedia or a cutaway or anything, uh, you just you just give me a ring a ding ding, and I will uh, I will be more than happy to contribute. You know, for a price. <laughs> nice. I just want to hang out at you know Skywalker Ranch. Oh, that's, that's my of price. course. Yeah, just that's all we fly need. me yeah. down to hang out with George for a day and uh, sweet. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I Nice. Have. Well, the, that's it for the mailbag. So, hey, do, do you think I sufficiently, sufficiently answered his I question? I think you went above and beyond. My... <laughs> above and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Peter. There you go. Take that one as a bang. So let's uh, head on over to the uh, forum post of the week. And speaking of, we just heard an X-Wing there. Uh, the post subject is uh, Vehicles, and it's by a new poster. His name is MagnaGuard001. And uh, his is pretty simple. It says, uh, what's your favorite Star Wars vehicle? And, uh, wow, you know what? To pick a favorite vehicle in this Star Wars universe, it is very difficult. I mean, some of my favorites, of course, is, uh, you know, I mentioned the AT-80, uh, Slave 1, Snowspeeder, Love the Y-Wing. We saw those this year in the Clone Wars. Um, I mean, everything is just is just so cool that they've done. The Millennium Falcon, um, some of my favorites, uh, X-Wing. To be able to pick one, I, wow. Um, even the Tidarium, thinking of some of the OT stuff, Tidarium was really, yeah. really cool. Um, be hard to pick one, though. Jeez. Yeah, oh. for sure. It's very difficult. You know, I, like, I... I do, I have to break it into yeah. categories, okay? And by the way I'm going to do that is by movie. Uh, okay, so you got A New Hope, the X-Wing and yeah. the Falcon, for sure. And by default, because Star Wars, A New Hope is the original, and it is the well from which everything else springs, uh, the Falcon and the X-Wing are going to have to win out on everything, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the Falcon has so much more character, so it's very difficult to, to sort of count that out. Uh, but the X-Wing, and this is from a Rogue Squadron fan, coolest vehicle of all. Yeah. Best vehicle, most maneuverable, most powerful, does everything you could ever want a ship to do. Destroyed the first Death Star, assisted second in destroying Star, the second Death Star. Along with the Million Falcon. <laughs> yeah, along with the Falcon. You yeah. know, like, it, it, you can't argue yeah. with that. You cannot argue with that. It is... The X-Wing. It's the ship that blew up the Death Star. End of yeah. story. Right? Uh, but as that being said, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you've got the Snowspeeder. Totally awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you also get uh, you get the TIE Bombers showing up, which is our first real variation on the TIE Fighter other than Vader's yeah. TIE. Um, then you go into Return of the Jedi, you get Speeder Bikes, which... The speeder bike sequence is one of my. It's it, the speeder bike sequence is my favorite action sequence in all of Star mm-hmm. Wars. Um, after or, and then after that is the uh, is the battle over the Sarlacc. Like that is my second uh-huh. favorite. That is the return of right. the Jedi. Uh, that's what that's the scene that the movie is named for. So, um, and it, the music on that scene is the same. Uh, and then you also get the A wing and the B wing in Return of the Jedi, which are very cool. Starfighters, and you get the tie interceptor. Like you can't count out the yeah, interceptor, yeah. which has become like the de facto tie fighter. Like you know, later on in the in the 
books and stuff, you never hear about them using regular TIE fighters anymore. It's always an interceptor. Right. And if it's not an interceptor, then it's a defender or one of the cloaking TIEs. You yeah. know, like, that's just the way that it ends up. Because uh, the interceptor is just that much cooler than a regular TIE. Um, heading back to episode one. Oh, episode one's a little bit more difficult because there wasn't really anything in episode one that blew me away. I'm trying to think uh, about it. Not, I mean, I mean, you got the pod racers, uh, but nothing. Yeah, Sebulba's pod racer, I can I can give Sebulba's pod racer props because I love that thing. The design of it, the colors. Yeah, uh, yeah that, uh, Sebulba's pod racer made orange a hot rod yeah. color again. yeah. I firmly believe that because episode one rolled around. Sebulba had that hot rod orange, black and white uh, deco on his pod racer. And all of a sudden, these sports cars started coming out in yeah. orange. And at the time, they were the same color orange as his pod racer. You know, uh, I have a pair of rollerblades that are orange, black and white. And they and I picked them up around, night, around 2001. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hot off the heels of, uh, of episode yeah. one. And I'm sure inspired. Uh, what else in episode one? Nothing really else in episode one, I don't think. I mean, what else do you have? You got the Bongo sub. Yeah. You got, I don't really like any of the Trade Federation vehicles. They don't really do it for no, me. No. Uh, they like they they're they're cool enough. They look like Star Wars, but they're just not my thing. They actually look very anime, um, and I think that that has a lot to do with Doug yeah. Chiang and his. Right on the uh, on the prequels particularly episode one because he did a lot of the vehicle designs um and the naboo starfighter just does not hold up yeah no, but no. uh but but you get to episode two and you get the jedi starfighter which i had somebody else comment recently that the jedi starfighter is lame i don't remember where i heard that but i heard some oh i was on round three i think i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it was on round three and i'm pretty sure that it was Derek, Derek russell oh, okay uh, uh-huh. Steric, Steve and yeah. Derek, and their uh, their podcast. Um, it was either on that or blending in their new one. So look at that. I just plugged both your new podcasts, wow. guys. I plugged round three and blending in, which round three is just Steve and Derek talking nonsense for 15 minutes, and it's an awesome podcast because uh, it's just them being hilarious. Um, that's round3show.com. Round uh, as in the word, three as in the number, show as in the word. Dot com. So check that podcast out. And then they've got their other podcast, Blending In, which is for the new show Human Target, which is based off of the DC oh, Comics. Yeah. I watched that show. Which uh, we talked about sort of off, off yeah. air a couple weeks ago. And you said that you were going to check it out. And uh, and so I thought I would too. And then Steve and Derek were doing this podcast. So I checked it out. It is yeah, awesome. Fun. And I wholly endorse it to a lot of people because, like you said, yeah. it's fun. And that's all. It's not heavy. It's not like a deep mythology show. It's just fun week to week. So people should be checking that show out. Um, and th- that podcast you can check out at humantargetpodcast.net, I believe, uh, or through their Sky Next feed, which is at uh, skynextpodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly sure. So check out check out those their podcasts because those are a couple of new podcasts that need listeners. Actually, they don't need listeners, but they want listeners. Um, but yeah, I, Derek said it on one of those. He said something about the Jedi Starfighter because I think that they were having this conversation on their show. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, and you don't listen to round three, so you were the one who picked the the forum post. So I'm not I'm not copying no. you guys. 
I did not copy Steve and Derek. Uh, this is total yeah. coincidence. Uh, this was posted on our forums. Maybe the person who posted on the forums is is a listener to uh, to round three, and uh, and that's where they got it from. But uh, yeah, Derek was saying that the Jedi Starfighter is lame, and uh, I will fight you, <laughs> I will. because the Jedi Starfighter, the Delta Seven Aether Sprite Starfighter, is one of the coolest fighters in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. Uh, and he. He called it out on docking with the hyperspace ring. That is my favorite part of the Delta Seven Aether Sprite. Light the hyperspace ring, yeah, uh, yeah, the hyperspace ring. I love that. And then you get later on in Episode Three. You well, actually, I go back to Episode Two because there's other stuff in Episode Two. I'd probably go with the uh, Slave the One. Shit. You got really the slave, but the Slave One's from yeah. Empire. But we didn't. You didn't mention it in the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I did. But but you can't. You get. Oh man, you cannot count out. The gunships when they bust in. Oh the yeah, end, yeah, that, that, of course. They freaking make that whole sequence. The gunships, and they continue to be used, obviously, in oh, all the Clone Wars stuff. They oh. are, they're awesome. They're iconic. They are totally iconic now. Like that image of the gunship busting through the cloud, like through the right. dust, on Geonosis is as iconic as anything else in Star Wars. I think um, you show that and, and there's a lot of people who will go, oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's from Star Wars, right? You know, people who aren't even fans and us fans go, that's episode two, Battle of Geonosis. Obi-Wan and Anakin are on that. So is Padme. She's about to get knocked off a few minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like that's how, that's how great they are. Like they, they, they totally just bring you right back to where you were the first time you saw those yeah. things. Um, and then I guess that brings us to episode three and in episode three, I might give the A to two, which is the uh, the uh, the second Jedi. Arc one seventy. Uh, well, Arc one seventy is all right. I think it's a little bit too derivative. X wing, yeah, X-wing. definitely. So, but it's a cool ship in its own yeah. right as well. Um, yeah, Episode three, you know, it had a lot of vehicles, didn't have a lot of cool ones, and I think that that was one of their big problems. There, um, they they put out a lot of stuff, but I don't think that any of it was really that inspired. Um, although you do get a couple of cool things, you get the the hovercraft sort of thing with the separatists. That it's got those the two big. Uh, it looks like the thing from Avatar. Actually, it looks like one of the choppers from Avatar. It's got like the two big chopper blades, blades yeah. on either side of it, and then or maybe it's just got the one. Maybe it's just one on the back or something. I don't know. It's on the Battle of Kashyyyk. Right, right, you right. You see a couple yeah. moving around. And it's just sort of like this sentry gunship thing. Like, it's a, the Separatist gunship. and That's pretty cool. Uh, some of the Wookiee stuff is all right. I don't know. I don't know. What else is in Episode 3? Am I missing anything? Uh, I mean, they had some of the nods to the OT with um, some of the smaller vehicles. Like, they had a... Uh, the little AT, I think RT, what is it? The little small walker. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the two-bike yeah. walker. Yeah. Oh, and I left out the ATT from episode two. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty Definitely. Cool. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and then you get the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars, I got to break down by seasons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because... <laughs> Clone Wars has done a lot for vehicles lately. They put out a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, actually, from the original Clone Wars micro series, you get the the V nineteen Torrent, right? 
And I love the Torah, yeah. bridge. I think that it was great ship design. It's totally Star Wars, 100%. And, uh, and it was totally underused. And it's even being underused in this series. I think that, that it could really be used a lot better. Um, and a lot more often. Uh, and you get, uh, let's see, from season one of the Clone Wars, you get the, the, the assault shuttle, which I love. Which is the shuttle that's got all like the guns on the front? It's the new shuttle that uh-huh. they use. Right. It's got it's got the folding wings like the others, uh, but it's got a shorter top fin, and uh, and it's got that sort of. Well, I guess it's like the old shuttle Tidarium, right? The Imperial right. shuttle, uh, the Latin class. Um, it's got that segmented cockpit on the front of it, but it just looks so much cooler on the on the the Republic Assault yeah. Shuttle. When's the Turbo um, Tank? When which did that they, come out? That was episode three. Oh, was it three? Okay. Yeah, that was episode three. Uh, and then, what else do you get in season one? Well, you get the new Y-Wing, but it's not that exciting. It's alright. Uh, i trying to think. Is there anything else cool from, from season one? I know season two, we've gotten a lot of cool stuff. That new shuttle, the, the one that, that sort of spins around... Uh, that that new light cruiser, a couple episodes ago, the one that docks with oh, Grievous. Yeah, system. right. Yeah, I really like that design because uh, it's kind of like a smaller star destroyer, but it's yeah, I really like that design. Um, Twilight, you like the Twilight? Not the movie, the ship. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the Twilight doesn't yeah. quite do it for me. It's all right, and it has not had as much of a part in the series as they claimed that it was yeah going to. i think they were trying to do something like the millennium falcon with it just to make it kind of yeah, kind of a kinda... goofy design that but uh yeah they haven't really used it this this season. yeah um, yeah so i think i just went through the whole trilogy uh, one of my other favorites is the z95 headhunter which is the precursor to the oh, okay yeah yeah um which just has the it doesn't have the the bisecting wings but uh, I like the B-Wing, which is from the Thrawn trilogy, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah from when the Devastator show. Because I enjoyed that one in the first Rogue Squadron game. Get yeah. to fly that. Man, a lot of vehicles, though. Lots to choose from. Yeah, I think I went through everything. I think I went yeah, through everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything major, oh, yeah, at least. Definitely. You know, talk about all the different kinds of speeder bikes. Yeah, so head over to the forums and... Uh, Post some of your stuff in there. Your favorite picture. Pull from that list, that long. Huge list. Huge. Uh, list that I gave you and uh, tell us what your Definitely. favorites are. For sure. All right. It's time to uh, talk about the next episode. Uh, the next episode is titled Duchess of Mandalore. And the tag is on Coruscant. Duchess Satine is framed for the creation of a Mandalorian terrorist group. On the run from the Republic authorities, Satine and Obi-Wan set off to discover the group's true origins. When the Mandalorian Death Watch wants you dead, they really want you dead. Send a Death Watch assassin to Coruscant. Obi-Wan, I need your help. Death Watch is now a significant, deadly threat. Find her. Jump! Watch the brand new Star Wars The Clone Wars. So, uh, like we talked about a little earlier, it looks like uh, 
Satine and Obi-Wan are going to be on the run, sort of like they were uh, years and years ago. And uh, back, back in the, in old, the days. old days. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get a flashback. Oh, wow. Yet. I don't know. Oh, man. I really want to see Qui-Gon so... again. I hate that they killed him oh, in episode yeah. one. Yes. It's just it's terrible. Uh, and then we might get some, uh, looks like a Mandalorian sniper. I don't think you got, did you get to see the preview? Probably not. Okay. No. Yeah, they got a they got a nice uh, shot of a Mandalorian running around with a, a sniper rifle, trying to take out some some uh, Obi Wan and Satine. So it looks. Uh, we'll see how the uh, the third act of this trilogy plays out, and uh, if it continues uh, yeah. like uh, the last two, where they just build and build until the last act, where it just blows us away. So looking forward to uh, to Friday. For sure. sure, yeah, it's uh, it's looking like it's gonna be or sounding at least like it's gonna be another exciting yep. episode. More Mandalorians, more Obi Wan right Kenobi as the central character. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I really can't you got right there. That's it. Yeah, so uh, I I guess that's it for us this week. Um, you know what? It feels like we didn't even really go that long, but I talked a lot. Oh, it was about, uh, we're <laughs> clocking in at uh, hour and 40 minutes, hour and 35. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for listening to us. Drone Time flies when you have fun. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, username Clone Wars. And head over to Facebook to join our group. That's www.facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. And as always, you can join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Just want to take a minute and remind you guys to check out our sponsor, audible.com. You can check head over there, uh, and it's audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars you get to start a free trial. You get one free audiobook, and uh, totally worth it. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally worth it. And the other thing is that they have free content over at audible.com. Yeah. So it's not all pay. Uh, some of the stuff is free content. So it's worth it to head over there and check it out. Um, they got lots of Star Wars audiobooks, and, uh, and it's totally worth every penny if you are busy like me and don't have time to be reading everything. But you do want to check out some of the EU. So... Uh, yeah, that's audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars. And when you sign up, you are supporting us. And uh, and if you're too young, then uh, do what do what the uh, Forcecast tells you to do because it's their their sponsor as well. Um, you can head over to Twitter, and I believe it's twitter.com slash audible. It's uh, audible it's underscore com. Audible underscore com. And you can uh, let them know that you are happy that they support Frontlines, the Clone Wars Definitely. podcast. Uh, and with that, we will see you guys next week with our recap for Duchess of Man. Yes, see you all next week. Bye.